sake. Hi there and welcome back to the FFS podcast. I'm your host Praddy and this is episode 45 part 2. Yep, part 2. So if you've joined us from part 1, then welcome back and I'm glad you could tune in for part 2 as well. And if you've just joined us directly for part 2, I'd recommend you go listen to part 1 because it doesn't necessarily it's not a continu- continuation but i feel like there are things topics that we discussed in part 1 that are equally as exciting as what we're going to be discussing here and so this is a continu- continuation of the champions edition podcast episode and here we've got two very special guests uh, fans of the recently crowned bundesliga champions bayern munich and we're going to be talking about or covering topics that we really couldn't discuss in part 1 and if you've listened to part 1 you know that we spent one and a half hours talking about other topics so you know if if we had covered this as well it could have just been a really really long episode so i'm glad that we could break it up into two parts uh for you viewers as well i'm pretty sure you'd you'd appreciate that uh but yeah let let's without much further ado let's move on uh before we get into discussing the topics in greater detail i'll ask my guests to give a brief introduction of themselves they've been on the podcast before uh and have covered bundesliga and bayern munich topics previously so here they are uh, let's start off with ganesh ganesh would you like to give our guests a brief introduction hey hello guys uh, ganesh here a uh, lifelong bayern fan since uh, 1999 uh, was introduced to the club by my uncle so have been following the club ever since uh, been through the club in their ups and downs and you know not qualify <clears throat> not qualifying for the champions league winning the champions league twice so i mean really proud that we won eight in a row now and hopefully we can make it nine and 10 yeah uh, i think the odds are likely that it will happen especially given the you know the rebirth under hansi flick and the type of football you guys are playing uh and also not to mention the uh type of bottle jobs that are you know competing for the title they they do put up a good fight and especially the past two years have seen a, a really competitive fight with uh, Borussia Dortmund and this year i think Dortmund Leipzig but ultimately you know Bayern showed their metal showed showed uh, you know why they have always been champions over the past eight years and you know it's it shown that the players themselves believe that they could overhaul that gap uh, you know point gap that they had earlier on the season so uh yeah <laughs> it's probably predictable that it the 9 and 10 would happen but ojus uh let me ask uh, before i ask you anything would you like to give our guest another introduction yeah sure so uh, i'm ojus uh, uh, i've been bayern fan just like ganesh for like a good part of the last 20 years i've been following the club since i was 8 uh and to be honest this is probably the most exciting time uh that i can remember in the last 20 years of like being a bayern fan because it's just a lot of new talent coming through and um compared to what we were 6 months ago uh i i'm super exciting for what's to come as a bayern fan i mean that quite is quite interesting because i would have thought that yeah i'm sure it's an exciting time now and i think this title was probably one of the most exciting titles but uh you would kind of look at uh i mean the yup hankes era and maybe say that was your best time especially the treble winning one 
so uh, so the thing is that that time was extremely exciting but two things right one uh, during the travel era nobody anticipated it was an exciting as a bayern fan because you were going into the season of a horrible season right you had you had multiple heartbreaks and it was just very difficult for a bayern fan to watch euros or to watch champions league football it was an exciting person because it, there was a lot of drama we had lost the final 2010 2012 Robin Basti Lam they were all labeled chokers or near men nearly men so it was exciting but now with just the youth that's coming through with a whole setup in place and with a coach that's so um, emotionally connected with the squad i think there's good cause to be excited with that it was just like a clock that's clicking there okay Basti Robin these guys don't win it this year they won't win it next year so it wasn't exciting it was more tense like right now there's a lot of optimism and that i think maybe it was before the papera a bit but again we knew that okay it may or may not it may completely backfire but with flick pushed tone signs of being a youth like coach uh, in the way he deals with the squad and in the way he sets up his team i think this is truly in my opinion the the most excited i've been as a bayern fan for a while I I can understand. I think what uh, maybe the way I was looking at it is in hindsight. So I can understand when you say this year was probably more exciting because you were experiencing it and so you know the optimism was there as compared or even going into next season there's a lot more optimism as compared to you know 2012 but I was probably looking at it in in hindsight and saying that yeah probably I mean winning the treble would have been was probably the best moment as a Bayern fan. Uh Can so I, can i add something to it sure sure yeah i mean the last time i was so excited was the time when you came back and carlo ancelotti got sacked <laughs> that's how excited i am in that i second that i completely agree with ganesh okay i'm poor old carlo but yeah uh i mean, i i i wouldn't blame you i think you brings about that aura of invincibility with bayern and i i would i'd safely say like the 2012 team while they were playing was quite and i mean one of the most scariest teams that i've seen uh, you know play football just the way you guys probably dominated that season uh, be it in europe or uh, yeah in the bundesliga but i mean let's move on to topic number 1 and you guys are champions so congratulations i i wish the other two fans on our previous podcast but i let me start off by saying congratulations i uh, I mean, on being German, on being announced German champions, and I finally can say that I know how it feels uh, <laughs> after waiting for thirty years. Well deserved. Uh, but uh, sorry, like as a Liverpool fan, absolutely well deserved. So congratulations to you too. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, anyway, talking about becoming Bundesliga champions, let's start up. Oh, just how did it feel when? Was it Manuel Neuer finally lifted the Meisterschale for the eighth time running? I mean, uh, so so we kind of gotten used to it. So I'm sure that it would probably match um, if Real Madrid or if Real Madrid wins the La Liga or if like Liverpool win this and lift the trophy this year. But I think there was an air of um, relief, uh, partly because like when the season started and how the first few months were. Uh, a lot of people forget it in light of how we've been playing of late. But if somebody told me in October or November that you know Bayern's going to win the league in such dominant fashion, I'd have laughed it off. Um, we all like a lot of Bayern fans were always suspecting that Flick would probably was kind of a fail safe. But the man has like 
there is no first team head coaching experience right so it was it was more than anything it was relief that the boys have earned it but at the same time it was more about uh, like just it's just beautiful to see the camaraderie that the squad is sharing right now and this is like again we won it eight times in a row so it's not entirely justified but this was special because the, the players there was there were a lot of things that were written about the players and and the, that did not they're uncoachable they make life difficult for their coaches and just to see that being proven wrong in such dominant fashion i think it was really more than anything else for me okay uh that sounds fair i think yeah uh you guys must be used to you know the trophy being lifted on a regular basis and i i can't believe you for that but ganesh i spoke to the previous in the previous podcast i spoke to a couple of fans there and they said that this was probably one of the most special titles not because of uh, you know i mean uh, because of rather the the change that happened midway the the clawing back of the point gaps that you had with dortmund leipzig and everyone else and stuff like that so what do you concur with such a statement or you know that this was probably one of the more special ones uh as compared to as compared to even last year where you guys won it actually on the last day and that's you know always a tense affair so where does this kind of rank in the titles that you've seen being won um prasium i mean for me i would say that uh, we won our own fair fair share of exciting titles right right from 2001 till now even in 2010 when bayer leverkusen choked the last day and we won 2000 one was when patrick anderson scored in the last minute and we won so i mean i feel that every bundesliga title is special for me irrespective of whether we win it on the last day or not because it's a culmination of a uh, uh, of your hard work that you put in for the whole season right and it takes a lot of fight every each and every season and it takes uh, um as a player i also know as to how much effort you have to put in each game week in week out to go ahead and win those games and you know keep on progressing on the league table it's a marathon it's not a sprint right so for me right from right from that time till now every league season that we won is special and now that we won the league season right everybody would be you would be like oh no we got to celebrate this and that i think we still have like a pokal final left um, coming this saturday and then after that champions league i hope we win the treble and after that we still need to go ahead we'll celebrate for a week a week and a half and then we'll focus again on next year that's how this club is run and um, we'll celebrate the title for about a week a week and a half i mean the press will write saying that bayern is champion again and then we go again i mean it's year in year out right it's like you getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth it's as simple as that so you have to do what you have to do and you win you have to win what you have to win it's a we believe that the bundesliga title is our property and uh, we should win it each and every year that's what i feel so uh, i feel that every day every year is has been special the year in which we won the year in which we've not won i we've um, we've had heartbreaks and i feel that we are happy now as of the present moment i hope that we can happy uh, we can be happy um on this coming saturday when we have the uh, cup german cup final against uh, bayer leverkusen so i feel each and every bundesliga season where we won has been special for us 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, talking about routine and how it's, you know, you look at the next year after the other. Sure. I think every club looks at that, but I've, like as a Liverpool fan, I think this is, you know, new territory for me. We've never, yeah, as sure as fans, there's always next year's our year and that's probably our routine. But for the players, I mean, it's now new territory for them and to kind of now go ahead. Now, for the first time, you know, really defend a title is going to be quite interesting. But I totally get what you're saying in terms of, you know, you can see every, I think even Klopp, had, uh, Klopp said that. So you are, the players said that, that, you know, we'll celebrate for a week, but then, you know, it, come August or September or whenever the next season starts, it's back to square one. You don't win med- medals for the next season. You've been it for, you know, this particular season. And so, uh, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that is kind of your reactions to that. And understandably so, it's a mixture of, you know, pleasure and there is a hint of you know, specialness to this title. Uh, also, again, it's like you said, it's probably routine at some point. But uh, let me, can I add something to your point? Sure. Yeah. Once you're here, you never want to go back, right? Once you're a champion, you never want to be second place. That's that's something that would always motivate champions. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I I completely agree with that and I feel like the players also do say that even in terms of the the you know the way they play the tone of you know the uh, press conferences that they give and everything it's so it's much more upbeat it's much more positive uh, opt- optimism is at a full high so I completely agree agree with you uh, regarding that but talking about one of the key main points of this particular season and that has been the three month or was it three? Yeah, three to two to three months at least for you guys. Uh, two to three month break that you had where the whole country was in lockdown. Players could not train. And uh, there was a lot of, there, I wouldn't say sense of dread, but there's a sense of uncertainty that was surrounding the entire footballing world as to whether we would, act, we, we would see the season be completed. We would have, we would actually see teams lift trophies for us for the first time in 30 years for you guys for the eighth consecutive time, stuff like that. To both of you, was there any sort of apprehension, say when the Belgian League and the French League were closed, that this might not actually happen? Or let me ask, okay, let me ask Ganesh this question first, and then I'll ask my second question to Ojas. So Ganesh, before everything got eased and the Bundesliga restarted, was there any apprehension, you know, within you, within people that you knew and talked to that it might actually not happen and, you know, it might be robbing the Bundesliga from one of the better times, you know, the most competitive uh, league this season, I could probably say. So, Padhyam, from, so I was, I had been hearing a lot of interviews from Kala Rummenigge, Hans, Joachim Wotzka, and I mean, this of uh, Borussia Dortmund and then also from the CEO of Bayer and so on and so forth, right? And I knew for a fact that German football had to open up. Uh, Kala Rummenigge also spoke about playing at Union Berlin without any fans because he said if we don't play there, um, I mean, they're not going to have any gate receipts and because, you know, because of which Bayern are in a good spot financially today. They don't have any problems financially. 
But when you talk about these small and mid-tier clubs, right, they always have, they've had some problems with finances coming through. And if you don't have enough money coming through, which is also generated with gate receipts as well as TV money, right? So if you don't have TV money coming into these clubs, I mean, it's difficult for these clubs to pay their uh, employees on a long run. And I mean, the big clubs, right? RB Leipzig, Bayern, uh, Borussia Dortmund, and Bayer Leverkusen pulled in and like they generated about 20 million, uh, 20 million together and they said okay you know what we're going to give this to all of the small clubs but it's difficult to sustain right so i knew for a fact that the bundesliga would come back because all of these guys are financially pretty sound they know how it how it can be done christian seifert has done like a really good job uh, he spoke to the politicians he said this is what we have to do we have to get in the tv money so i was never really afraid or i wasn't like I wasn't really, really apprehensive that the Bundesliga would never come back. I knew that it was only a matter of time, right? Um, even for the Premier League as well, I knew that it was a matter of time before they came back. Same for the La Liga as well. Because um, financially, any um, like any organization right, would not be able to survive without generating a product. It, it is as simple as that. So I kind of knew that the Bundesliga would come back. Um, secondly, I was apprehensive of the fact that as to how we would go ahead and maintain our momentum post uh, post the corona pause. That was what I was more apprehensive about because um, Bayern, uh, Bayern, if you look at it, right, I mean, we start off well and then after two or three months, somewhere around the October fest, we kind of uh, hit a phase wherein we are, not, we are very unsure about ourselves and this has been going on for the past two, three years. Carlo Ancelotti has been sacked during that time. Uh, Niko Kovac has been sacked during the same time, wherein we go ahead and have like a small um, blip during that time. So I was kind of afraid that, you know, after one or two months into the, after the restart, we wouldn't be doing so well. Uh, the, the players would get fatigued and uh, they would be performing to the highest standards and that would give Dortmund and Leipzig a run at the title. That was what I was more apprehensive about and less apprehensive about the Bundesliga restarting again. I mean, if if there's a lot, if if what you're saying is right and there's, you know, a, a consistent dip in form during the October Fest period, that <laughs> there is one probable cause for that. <laughs> Just one too many bratwursts and uh, pints of beer being drunk at that point, particular point. So <laughs> it's possible... Someone should probably look into that. Uh, but oh, just I mean, Ganesh obviously hit on the topic that I wanted to, or the question rather, I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, post the lockdown, uh, when the Bundesliga is given the green light, you know, to restart the their league, did you have, did you feel any apprehension or did you feel any uncertainty of as to how the league was going to resume and complete? In term, as a Bayern Munich fan, I mean, did you, you guys? I'm not sure how many points you guys had between you and Dortmund, but did you feel like you know there was an apprehension that maybe a two-point gap might be a little too tight to call, or did you feel like two points was sufficient enough because we all know of Dortmund's bottling capacity towards the end, and so any kind of any sort of lead would just probably be okay in the whatever, how many other games you had to play? 
so so basically uh, so there are two things that the buying fan one was uh, uh, that just just completely from a non football perspective having not seen football for two months uh, i was just happy to see that my team is back to playing right? like it was it was a, again extremely exciting to see bayern playing uh, while the fans of other leagues unfortunately for them to wait for football to restart uh, in terms of the lead i wasn't particularly worried if you look at dortmund and leipzig season in hindsight they had a really strong uh, hinrunde which is the winter season it's not like they really played badly yeah dortmund dropped points but that was after the league was decided they were really in it i think yes there was a bit of apprehension if i'm being honest because we had tough fixtures and a very thin squad we had teams like frankfurt gladbach leverkusen dortmund uh, teams that were that had troubles in this in, in either the first half of the season or had been troubling us for the last couple of years so we had a lot of tough games but at the same time pratik uh, was at lewandowski was back who would have missed a lot of these games if the season would have gone on as is and in general like with the way that flick sets up the team and the way uh, kimek and thiago unfortunately thiago hasn't played a lot because of injury but the way the way the whole team was set up i wasn't really worried about like slipping up it was just we had to win a few games that would probably just help us make those three pointers into six pointers and consolidate our lead so uh, i wasn't particularly worried but having said that it was it was thrilling because i wanted that two point gap to stay on for as long as possible because we just keep us on our toes and i think dortmund did a good job with it until up until i think uh, the bremen game which was the third last game of the season i think it was it was quite close so uh, yeah i mean there was always a bit of concern but that's the thing yeah like with hansi flick he's just like this there is air of security around the team that the team play well and out results and i think that's where we were certain that okay now we're not going to let it slip because there is too many winners in the sport to be able to not to which i think dortmund lacks or even leipzig lacks at some level there aren't enough players who played at the big stage and can like they let the experience you're talking with winning right i mean, you speak about the tense matches and i feel like one of the tense matches that i saw a potential bayern slip up was probably the gladback match where you guys had a good slice of fortune with the goalkeeper sudden just you know i don't know what he was trying to do there passing it to straight up to zergzi and all credit to zergzi he did have to you know still uh, put it past the keeper into the goal but he he managed to do that and i felt like you know that match you probably escaped one of the you know bigger uh, tougher tests rather and i feel there was one more match but i'm not quite certain i think you guys won that 1-0 or something but uh that was also heading towards a draw and you guys and i could say the same to with dortmund actually they had that uh, last minute winner from haland uh, where this going the 94th minute or something so it was definitely uh, yeah, sorry you were going to say something no i was saying the game with where haland scored at the last minute i think the league would have been over then uh, he's i think that was a useful dog game which was uh, i think the fourth last game or like one of the last couple of games i think it was that one where haland uh, scored in the last second of the game i no i think the the title is still there. i mean so i think you guys had that 5 point or 7 point gap between you you two because you beat dortmund 2-0 right and 
that obviously widened the gap but i i feel there was that slight you know maybe there was a chance but yeah i mean i could be mistaken there and if i'm not mistaken i think leipzig beat dortmund or someone right so uh, how was it the other with dortmund and they lost the second one ha huh. okay yeah ganesh you saying something so coming back to the point so basically um when haland scored against fortuna dusseldorf in the 94th minute i presume um so the lead at that point of time was 7 points and as soon as haland scored the lead was cut back to 4 points so bayern were basically looking at a draw till about the 85th minute until goretzka showed up so um <clears throat> the draw would give it, would have given bayern a 5 point lead so basically borussia dortmund would have cut down bayern's lead from 7 to 5 and as soon as goretzka scored and bayern won 2-1 i mean the lead was again stretched back to 7 points so it was like a game of touch and go it is a game of poker exactly and i do agree like you guys did have probably the toughest of fixtures as compared with leipzig and probably dortmund had you know they had to play each other and they had to play i think dortmund had to play you guys but otherwise i i felt like bayern had more chances to you know slip up or draw at least with teams given that also that not many people were match fit but i guess you guys had levandowski and muller as well who's who was in fine form in terms of assists and everything but one of the other stories that i wanted to discuss was the apart from the change in managerial or in managers rather from niko kovac yansi flick you also saw change in the board uh, board of directors or whatever you call them or up top in the uh, you saw a change from uli hones stepping down and oliver kahn coming in ha- has that in any way affected you know the operation i wouldn't say operation but has that, how how's that affected bayern munich in terms of you know you guys feel like uh, he's more approving of you know transfers or do you feel like he still is stringent because we've seen there has been a lot of uh fight amongst the managers and the board in terms of the players that they want to recruit so in, does that in any way get impacted by this change in the in the board or you know it's all the same it's, it really doesn't matter uh oh just let's start off with you basically uh brazo uh, our sporting director is a guy called brazo he's from them a part of the champions league winning squad oliver kahn currently is in the capacity of an observer to the board he doesn't have he is a he is a uh, stand in the ceo he'll be the ceo in january 2022 he's currently observing he's being made to um, liaise with every single team and understand how bayern functions uh, uli hones is still a part of the executive board uh, a part of the supervisory board i'm sorry and herb heiner who was a former adidas ceo he's the president so uh, in terms of structures the old guard and the new guard are still sort of involved in everything that is happening uh, in terms of pure signings and recruitment uh, brazo our sporting director was promoted to the board and he has a lot of power in terms of who to get and who to not get and credit to the board for showing faith in him because there were times when by fans and uh, a lot of play, uh, coaching staff have questioned his uh, Uh, former coaching staff that's not a part of the club have questioned his uh, his ability but in terms of us dodging uh, the bullet with nicolas pepe 
Nico Schulz, Morgan Hazard, a lot of players that, even Timo Werner for that matter, which he thought was not a good player for Bayern Munich um, in terms of attitude and in terms of playing style, which which uh, the jury is still out on. But basically, I think then under Bradlow have become one of the best clubs in the world at scouting youth players. Like getting Tango Kwasi from Paris Saint-Germain when he's on the bench at Thomas Tuchel and you're not really sure that he'll get as much playing time at Bayern. Or signing a couple of kids for the youth academy who will start training with the first team immediately. I think I think Bayern is geared more towards the youth approach and in terms of like the pandemic, it makes a lot of sense right now because Bayern is going to make a loss this year like 90% of all the other clubs. And that's not a loss which where the business is in danger, but it's just a financial implication of the crisis, right? So, uh, we're moving towards a market where uh, people are not going to pay the same prices. You'll see that with the Sancho transfer. You'll see that with Liverpool backing away from Werner, backing away from Havertz. It's just that the clubs don't have money, but you have to be a bit more sensible in in this time. And I think in that regard, the board, the new board, has this balance of signing young players before they become financially unfeasible to sign. So I think in that in that regard, I think the board is doing a splendid job. Okay, fair enough. And Ganesh, what are your thoughts on this this decision? You know of Hernes probably stepping down in the future, in the near future, and Oliver Kahn eventually taking control. What kind of change do you see happen uh, up top, uh, if any? Hey, uh, so basically, uh, Oliver Kahn is not going to be like a direct replacement for Uli Hoeneß. Uh, Herbert Heiner is the former Adidas CEO, is the uh, replacement for Uli Hoeneß. And uh, Oliver Kahn is going to be... Re- is going to be replacing Kalarumanega in the future, right? Uh, what we can see from these um, replacements is that the Bayern DNA is maintained intact. I mean, if anybody has seen Oliver Kahn play, which I've seen over the past 20 years, is his will to win. And I hope that he communicates the same to the squad downstairs, right? Like Manuel Neuer and Thomas Muller, who are like real winners in the squad. And they've learned from Oliver Kahn. They know how it how it is and, you know, how tough it can get and what you need to do to win. So Oliver is like a born winner. His attitude on the field and off the field now reflects how good he has been managing teams as well. Um, I mean, this is like a very, very practical decision. I think they've thought about it a lot and they've asked, asked around and been like, hey, whom do you want? Uh, like, whom do you see? A person or a person who is good and fit and capable enough of replacing Kala Rumenega because Rumenega is one of the most um, thought out persons in football. So he thinks a lot before he speaks. So I feel that he's like really, really smart uh, when it comes to making smart financial decisions. So I can see Oliver Kahn also doing the same in the future. Um, and with this team, uh, with Brazzo, that is Hassan Salihamazic um, with him. And um, I feel that they can go a f- long way into making good signings. Uh, one of the few good signings that Pratso has had is one is Alfonso Davies. So Davies has been a really good player for uh, FC Bayern. His development has been really, really good. Um, I wouldn't say that all of the signings have come up, come off uh, well you know, uh, with Pratso. But I mean, that's how it is. I mean, not all of, you can't have have all of the successes. Um, 
the fact that I mean you also have Franz Beckenbauer and uh, Uli Hoeneß right now in the supervisory board. So it's not as if like they are just leaving their job and they're going away. They always have supervisory part. They can come in and uh, instruct as to how things have to be done. Uh, I I personally think that Uli Hoeneß still has like a lot of control behind the state. He's like that. Um, he's like that puppet. Uh, you know, a puppet controller. So he he would always control it from the background. He knows how this club functions. Basically, FC Bayern is Uli Hoeneß, and Uli Hoeneß is FC Bayern. So he's controlling things from the background right now. Though you'll see Herbert Heiner coming and speaking the exactly right uh, things to say politically and getting people on the right track. But I think Uli Hoeneß is the one who is actually controlling the strings behind the stage. So um, and that has been there and that has molded by DNA over the years. So we really don't want to go away from that. So I hope that he can pass it on to the younger generation. And even after Oliver Kahn, the succession plan has always got to be there. I wouldn't say that I'm really apprehensive about it because a lot of people may or may not uh, have seen Oliver Kahn play. I saw him. He was one of my idols. So I know his will to win. And I know that even uh, even with a really bad team, he can go ahead and perform really well. So I have complete faith in Oliver Kahn. The fact that he had the motivation enough to go ahead. I mean, he's the CEO of Goalplay. So keeping that apart, uh, keeping that aside, he had the motivation to go and get his MBA and study finance once again from Harvard and then come back and then learn everything right from ground up at Bayern, wherein he's been so successful as a player. Speaks volumes of the man, you know, as to how much he can, uh, how much hard work he can put in and uh, and try to be successful. So, I mean, kudos to him. I hope that he can do a really good job as compared to, you know, he can uh, replicate Kala Rummenigge. Yeah, I mean, okay, so with Uli Honest being a puppeteer, I guess, I mean, if you are, are saying that Bayern is one of the best-run clubs already, so I don't think, when we talk puppeteer, we normally talk it in a negative sense, but I suppose here it could be, you know, a positive that, yeah, he might be pulling the strings from behind, but it's still, you know, working and it's still do it's still for the better and for the best for of Bayern Munich. And so, I guess if it if he was if things go wrong, then maybe you can point fingers and say, you know, you know, he's probably really back away, but. I guess it's a positive there. But in terms of, for Oliver Kahn, I think I haven't watched him play uh, live because I think he was, he had retired or he was towards retirement when I, when I started watching. And so, but I've seen clips of it. And if he's the same uh, kind of person as, in the, as a board member, as he is a player, then I guess people would probably just, you know, would not want to confront him in any sort of way because that would probably be the last thing that they would that they do uh and yeah he probably just scared the living daylights out of anyone who's pro- argues against him uh and so probably gets gets his way that way um yeah uh but i guess uh, like you said it's all in bind dna and i i'm sure uh, like a lot of people say right so all these legends and all if you cut them open then you they bleed uh, colors of the club and all of that. So, yeah, I guess if you cut up Oliver Kahn, he'd still bleed red. I mean, that's anyway your 
you would do that literally and metaphoric metaphorically but uh let's let's move on now to a sort of rapid fire round basically i'm going to ask you guys you know your favorite moments from this entire season and you know you guys are more than welcome to give me if you can't name one then at least two top 3 and tell me why so the most defining moment for you as a bayern munich fan this particular season or the moment you feel brought about this change and made you eat the champions for the eighth time running so ganesh uh i feel joshua zerksi's goal at freiburg 1-1 at the uh, in the 90th minute 3-1 at 94 3-1 at the 94th minute at that point of time i knew that this team had the capability had the mentality of champions and i knew that it would it would be really really difficult to go ahead and beat this team okay i mean that that's quite an interesting you know choice uh, and ojus yours voting red card against frankfurt i knew there was no way we were winning we knew that we were going to get thrashed in frankfurt and knew that was the last game we could watch so it was the most like voting to one for the team i'm i think in hindsight that was the moment that defined the season for us for sure yeah i think that's the kind of answer that i probably expected uh yeah but i guess i guess it all happens for the better i suppose i mean not really if you if the next manager that comes in is a total mug but yeah sure uh, and your favorite match days of the season so one particular game day or one particular match uh, that you thought was a highlight this particular season uh, or just your chance now again like the the classical wherein bayern faced hansi like the one of the few games under hansi flick where bayern uh, hosted dortmund uh, the, the speciality is that because this we lost i want to frankfurt makeshift defense where a central defense central defense midfielder or uh, left back are playing in central defense a center back is playing at right back a winger is playing at left back and bayern conceded a single shot against dortmund uh sancho was subbed off after 30 minutes because he was just not able to get anything done in that game so for me that was in a lot of ways a highlight of showing that how how much talent and how much discipline our players had which was just getting wasted away under kovac so so for me it was that game that you know uh, which kind of brought in a sense of optimism about the season so so yeah, it was the bayern versus dortmund bayern at home in in uh, in november All right, perfect. And Ganesh, your favorite match of the season? I mean, I would say first is the I have like three games. So the first game would be the one under Hansi Flick in the Bundesliga. That was the uh, 4-0 thrashing of Dortmund at Munich. I mean, we played really well. We dominated Dortmund. But even after that, we went ahead and we lost two games against Bayer Leverkusen and uh, Mönchengladbach. So that put us at at the seventh spot. the turning point of the league was the six massive points that we gained before the uh, before the winter break against freiburg and wolfsburg so against freiburg we won it at the 90th minute joshua zerksi scored and uh, then serge gnabry scored making it 3-1 at the 94th minute and then um, the coming saturday we had the game against wolfsburg and it was it was nil nil till the 83rd or 84th minute and then Joshua Zerksi scored with a Thomas Muller assist 
and there um, it became 1-0 and then I guess Serge Gnabry scored at the last minute, 90th minute to make it 2-0. Those were massive six points going into the winter break that put Bayern in a, you know, in an upward motion. So those three games actually defined the season for me. All right. I mean, sounds good. Uh, and all right. So I'm going to ask you who is your favorite player this season as well as the most improved player for you guys this particular, you know, Bundesliga season. Uh, Ganesh? So my favorite player has always, uh, I mean, my I only have, I think I have like a lot of favorites in this team, but um, I would say that a player who, I wouldn't say who has improved, who, who's come back to his normal, usual form is Manuel Neuer. So, I mean, he had, I mean, last year he didn't have like a lot of, he had like a lot of injuries, right? So it wasn't easy for him to maintain his rhythm and goal. This year, he's again been top class, cementing himself as a top goalkeeper in the world. Uh, so I'm really happy that Manuel Neuer has come back to his original form. Um, he's truly not to be beaten this season. And then a lot of Bayern fans know that what Kovac or what Ancelotti did with Muller was not right. It is as, I mean, if you want to win with Bayern, it's a very simple thing. Put Thomas Muller at the number 10 position. His link-up play is he's absolutely a beast in that position. Every Bayern fan knows that. But I, for the life of me, I cannot understand as to why Kovac and Ancelotti both put, both put him on the wing. So I mean, thus depreciating his value to the to the team. So I feel that Thomas Muller and Manuel Neuer have been really really big assets to the team. Apart from Lewandowski, who scored uh, 34 goals for the season. Awesome. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, Manuel Neuer has definitely been, you know, ha- I think, I wouldn't say, yeah, I, I guess last year or something, he's, I mean, like the entire Bayern team, he had some sort of a dip, but you could see that he was back to his, you know, usual self, you know, sh- saving ridiculous shots. And yeah, I think he had that one gaffe against Paderborn, but still, that's not enough to take away the season that he's had. Uh, and Ojas, your the best player for you this season? Uh, so, the best for me this season is, uh, uh, since Ganesh spoke about Neuer and Muller, I'm just going to take a slightly different approach. Uh, the best for me is Fonzie, Alfonso Davies, uh, because he's probably made the left-back position his own and just the way uh, our defence has changed. And for example, I'll just give you an example really quickly. Uh, when we lost to Leverkusen uh, at home in November, in December, uh, in November, sorry, uh, we uh, conceded the first goal of uh, Alphonse Davies not being able to handle the, like, being pressed and he couldn't trap the ball well and that led to a quick counter-attack and, and Davies fall. But he's just been so consistently good since and he's not made that same mistake twice. He's extremely fast, but what people take away from him is his intelligence and his positioning where uh, it's just not pure, it's just good pace, but the way he positions himself, uh, his runs are spectacularly well-timed, he's scoring a lot, he's assisting a lot, he's a better crosser than Coman will ever be. Uh, for me, Alfonso Davies is, is extremely integral to our team because of all the attributes he brings and we clearly miss him when he is not in the squad. Uh, for me, the most improved player is again a player that I hold very close to my heart, 
who's been criticized and i've always been saying that the only thing he needs is, is match practice he's not got in that he's still a beast uh, one of the most intelligent uh, defenders one of the best passers of the ball uh, jerome boateng i think he has been so good for us this season and he if you uh, people have been calling him finished for years right but if you look back at his trajectory see the number of games he played under kovac uh, in the last two seasons he's not gotten even like five games in a row and that guy is built on rhythm he has extremely extremely crucial to us with sulu being injured i think uh, i think jerome porter has just been uh, absolutely phenomenal and like you know he's completely repaid flex faith in him so for me it's it's boateng who's the most improved player for us okay, i can't argue with that i think i'm fonzi i i remember i think in the in the previous part that we were speaking we didn't even mention fonzi i think levandowski and muller were the most spoken about players because they broke records and all of that but yeah fonzi we kind of hinted at it you know by munich's road runner as thomas muller called him but i also completely agree with you know i think boateng many people thought since that match against messi that he was probably done uh, i think he was even moved out of the or i don't know i think post the world cup i don't i think he was also moved on from lowe's side i think he said lowe was not going to pick him and people just called him finished people thought that you know best days were done he probably move into an easier league like probably like the mls or something but yeah, uh, I mean, uh, one point i wanted to make was uh, this season bayern have this uh, uh, bio photo shoot where they have a photo shoot um, in lederhosen's on a sponsored event Boateng was asked not to attend that event because uh, uh, Juventus were interested in him. Till Sari pulled the plug last year after the title celebrations, a lot of the board members said that maybe a change of scenery for Boateng would be would be in his best interest. Then you see the trajectory the guys had after such um, setbacks. I think it's 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 like I'm lost for words. I I've always loved the guy, but I I just feel so good that people can really see this image of him. whether he stays with the club or not rather than a finish player who overstayed his welcome yeah exactly i mean people normally talk that you're probably overstaying your welcome so you know uh, you know the next season may not be as good and you might fall even further but the fact that he's kind of you know bounce back is you know both well not only for bayern munich but if they were to sell him then you could probably charge a probably a slightly higher fee but we don't know how that's going to play out in the transfer market uh and yeah i think talking about thomas muller i completely agree as i always thought that his role should be as a number 10 or a second striker basically uh playing him out of the wide i couldn't for the life of me figure out what he was doing out there uh and so i'm glad to see that kind of that error being rectified by hansi flick uh and I, yeah that, that's probably also one of the reasons i think even a in germany i thought they suffered because of that he's playing way out of position over there uh um, yeah and also you guys are going to be playing the champions league in august uh any thoughts on that and that's obviously going to help you in your hunt for the treble uh i think the first time since 2012 if i'm not mistaken so what do you guys think uh it's obviously a it's only going to be a one legged tie over there in lisbon uh so do you think that changes a lot in terms of you know you don't have that home advantage even if you did play in alliance you didn't have the fans but you still had some sort of home advantage so uh, ganesh how does 
you know, what does the future hold for Bayern in terms of the Champions League? So, um, the first thing that Bayern needs to concentrate right now is the German Cup final on Saturday. So, if we win that, and I hope that we do, then we go ahead to the Champions League final with optimism, saying that we only want to win one more trophy for the treble. Um, Champions League is like, um, I mean, it's like a, it, it can be strange, right? It can, you cannot play when and yet win. You can play really well and not win. I mean, it's it's like a knockout tournament right now with only one-legged uh, affairs. So it's going to be really difficult considering the fact that you only have two weeks and um, you have to play your best football within those two weeks. Um, I mean, I'm cautiously treading on this path. I really don't... Um, I'm not... I'm kind of confident. But I also know that um, after this, uh, after the German Cup final this Saturday, uh, Bayern is going to... Have, they, the players are going to go on vacations for about a week, a week and a half, and then they're going to come back and start practicing. So we also want to go ahead and uh, I'm pretty sure that the club has lined up matches so that the, these players can get match fit uh, for the Champions League. So that is also something that we have to look at. And I hope that for the second leg against Chelsea, uh, Bayern are going to be playing here in Munich. So I hope that they can do well. Um, Chelsea also should be uh, really match fit at that point of time. So we need to get up uh, when we need to start, uh, you know, the cylinders pumping and firing so that you know we can go ahead and uh, play really well in the second in the second leg. Uh, we have a 3-0 lead, and I hope that we can go ahead and cement that lead, make that a 5-0 or a 6-0, and then go into the uh, tournament in Lisbon because if we don't win in Munich, we're not going to win in Lisbon. So first we need to concentrate and take each game as it comes as players, as coaches and also as fans. Not build up too high expectations because this year is going to be a bit weird. The players are going to get really tired uh, you know, considering the intensity of the competition. So I hope that Bayern can go ahead and do it. There is I would what I would put it as is we have cost we have cautious optimism this time around. Yeah, I mean for the second time running, I think you uh, answered my next question, but I completely agree with you. I think I mean to be fair, I didn't really think that you'd say that you you were gonna be too or you were gonna fret about the Pokal match because after all, it is against Leverkusen and we all know how they are. Uh, <laughs> you be lost against them this season. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, I, I won't jinx it, and probably you. Sh- I, I get why you didn't want to jinx it as well. But yeah, cautious optimism is probably the right phrase to use here. Oh, just but uh, Ganesh hit upon that topic again, which was the break that you guys are going to have between the Pokal and the Champions League. Whereas the rest of the Premier League and La Liga end mid July, and pro- they don't have that much of a gap. It's all about match fitness. We saw that even when people, when the players came back after the lockdown. Uh, do you think that Bayern will be match fit once the Champions League begins? See, right now it's extremely hard to comment on what uh, Bayern has in store. I we I've found myself criticizing on Twitter. They have something lined up in terms of an event. Um, in uh, the latter half of July, uh, going on until. Uh, the first or the second of August. So, 
I don't know if Bayern is taking this uh, mini Champions League seriously, or I think other clubs. I I just don't know how it is because I found myself questioning and questioning the format on more than one occasion. Uh, having said that, I have enough faith in freaking players to turn up. I think that Bayern have an actual advantage over other clubs uh, when it comes to this break. Uh, I've been hearing a lot about match fitness, and it's great and it's needed, right? Like a match practice is needed, but. Uh, with the schedules that uh, largely, I think there's one English club that uh, realistically will proceed, like has the best chance of proceeding. I'm not taking anything away from Chelsea, but they're both in the FA Cup. They, ha- I think, fatigue is going to play a part sooner than later with the congestion of fixtures. Uh, Spanish football is no different. Italian football is no different. So uh, I think French and German football footballing clubs may not be as disadvantaged as we make it out to be. Uh, at the same time, I completely agree that Bayern first have to tackle Chelsea. I don't again know if that game will happen in Munich or Lisbon. There is just there is just too much ambiguity. But all I can say is that I have that's what's happened with Hansi Flick. Like I have finally a coach which I can be confident about by saying that okay, we can beat the team we face if if like we still we still going in with some sense of optimism as opposed to last year like with Liverpool under Kovac. Like we knew that okay, this could like we could win, but at the same time, where we're looking at the prospect of Hamiri, here we just have that face to be slightly confident. So I think right now, with the ambiguity surrounding tournament and surrounding the run up to the tournament, I really don't know. For me, what matters is the next season more than this. Because for me, this Champions League is slightly tampered. So if we win it, great. I'll obviously celebrate. But if we don't, I really don't care too much about it. I I want like, like a true sign of dominance will be of what's to come with Flick once we once football goes back to normal, which is not this Audi Cup style Champions League in my opinion. Right. So, do you, are you in one of those camps that says that I mean there's that whole you know movement that happened? I guess when the Premier League especially started with the whole tainted title and asterisks. No, no, no. Uh, so so the Premier League presume uh, is that. You're still playing all your matches. It's not the same. Playing, you're playing an entire season of 38 games, wherein you're playing home and away. So I don't think I'm not in that moment because that is a load of crap. Just me meant to uh, taint Liverpool's success. I don't mean to say that the team that will win the Champions League will not have deserved it. I'm not saying that, but when you Champions League has a few um, a few complexities to it, right? Like. The home game, the away game, and I'm not talking about the fans. It's just the way the whole thing is set up. The value of away goals, and to make it a knockout tournament, there's nothing wrong with it. If it had been one from the get-go, and I understand that uh, the situation kind of demands it and warrants it. So it's not the same as uh, the Premier League being tainted or this or any of the leagues being tainted because you're still playing all the games. Here, what happens is that it's an tournament which is focused about finishing the season rather than. Determining which is the best team in Europe, which I don't think is entirely fair, uh, basing it on how different seasons have ended. So, Paris Saint-Germain could probably have been the best team in 2021, a hypothetical, but they've just not had practice for the last six months, uh, which a few games in July will not change. And all of a sudden, like, so you, you I, I hope you're trying to get the point I'm trying to make. It's not particularly about the format, it's not particularly about uh, it being tainted, but I don't find my. I would have rather preferred the next season to have been started sooner. So yeah. I, I, I get it. I mean, it, it's 
I mean, we is basically UFA trying to do the best they can to get the amount, the money that they can grab as much. But uh, on the I other hand, you went sorry. to need it. So I understand. I completely respect that. I know like Barcelona needs the footfall from Champions League football. They would not get if the season got over. In financial, I get it. I just don't. I just don't see the prestige with this tournament as it would be with a regular Champions League season. Right. So I, so personally, I wouldn't call it tainted, but I would say that yeah, it is slightly. It is different. It is a different kind of tournament that you're going to enter into now. Uh, but whoever wins it, wins it and deservedly so. And I think you also said the same thing. It, whoever wins it, be it Bayern Munich, be it Manchester City, I hope not, uh, be it Real Madrid and anybody else, you know, they deserve the title. And no asterisks or tainted. The term shouldn't be used. But yeah, it is. It is not the, you know, it. There is that sort of, you know, it's not the same as winning, you know, the the Champions Champions League like it would have been if you had played at home in a way and you know you had that, uh, you know, the excitement of scoring away goals and winning it like how probably we did against Barcelona and stuff like that. But it with each game, I guess, or with each format comes different challenges and different excitement. So. A one-legged tie will still feel like you're playing three different finals. So, it will still hopefully be exciting enough. Absolutely. Again, I don't really doubt the whole uh, thrill about the tournament. It's just that it doesn't need a Champions League in its form for me. Uh, and more importantly, with the way the season is structured, uh, where German players have to report uh, for a camp for the Nations League in early September, I didn't feel the need for the tournament, if you get what I'm trying to say. I just felt that 2021 season should have been started faster because there'll be a whole better infrastructure uh, network in place to make sure European football and top five leagues and Nations League all start together. I think this is not... So, again, only as a viewer, I'm thrilled because it will be something new. We'll need warming up too, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't be too bothered if Bayern don't win it. Okay. Uh, I mean, personally, I would also love it if they cancelled it because it still it would still mean that we're probably European champions for another year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we're gonna be. They're definitely going to finish it, no matter what. UFS probably made that stance clear ten thousand times that we are going to finish it. We are going to finish it. There has to be clarity. So. Um, all right, so I guess that's about it. It's we've hit the one-hour mark, and I think we've covered all of the topics that we wanted to cover over the two parts, part one and part two. When it comes to managerial changes, the, and here we spoke about what it is like being a champion as a as a fan, uh, and also the changes that have happened in this particular season with lockdown and for Bayern board. There have been subtle changes or there will be changes in the near future and what that's going to bring about. We've also heard from fans about what their favorite moments were from this entire season, who they thought were the best players and so on and so forth. Uh, so thanks, Ganesh and Ojas, for being a part of this podcast. As always, it was a pleasure to have you on here and hear your thoughts. And we look to do something similar, you know, Hopefully, once the Champions League happens and we'll see where Bayern go from there. And yeah, we'll definitely catch up soon then. Thanks. Thank you for having us on the podcast. Perfect. All right. Uh, Sorry? Uh, No, I was saying this was great as always. Thanks so much for having us. Awesome. 
All right. So uh, that's it for episode 45, part two. Uh, so I I would definitely recommend that you listen to this entire episode as at one go if you can that's like two hours 45 minutes or so that starts from part one and part two so you get to hear four bind perspectives on the season that's just concluded uh, if not then you can break it up sure but do listen to this particular episode because it's a champion's edition uh it's probably different from the ones that you've heard before uh so yeah if you like this content you know then you can rate us on seven different podcast platforms you can follow us there as well share with friends and family uh you can follow us on twitter and on instagram where i try to keep as active as possible and i guess that's about it i'm your host praddy once again and see you